Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. A breathless clash between Arsenal and Liverpool somehow ended all square at full time with two goals apiece. The Anfield effect came into play and now simultaneously both Arsenal and Manchester City's hands are on the Premier League trophy. I'm Ian Irving and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. I think right now it'll be mixed emotions, but I think over the next few days it'll definitely be a, a very good point. If you're looking for a reason why Aaron Ramsdale had to make saves late on, it was because Arsenal gave Liverpool's best player time on the ball in injury time to pick a pass. For me, it was just complete stupidity to, to, to poke the beast like he did. I said at half-time, Robertson, what, what, what a baby. What a big baby. Just get on with the game. Baby. <laughs> There's certainly a case of saying that you know, some of these players need to be brought down a peg or two when they're having a go at a referee or a linesman, definitely. But not like that. That looks awful. Arsenal did everything right for the first 40 minutes. It feels like it's on a knife edge now. OK, let's get into it then. The Athletics, Oli Kay and Adam Crafton are with me for this one. Oli, I'll start with you. Was that the Premier League game of the season for you? Well... I heard people say that yesterday and it was, uh, yeah, I think there are a lot of contenders. Arsenal alone, you've got 3-2, dramatic 3-2 win over Manchester United, dramatic 3-2 win over Liverpool at the Emirates, dramatic 3-2 win over Bournemouth the other week, 4-2 Villa. They've had that sort of topsy-turvy, chaotic element to to some of their games. Man City beating Man United 6-3. Yeah. Liverpool beating Man United 7-0 in a completely different kind of entertaining game but it's you know there have been all these wild chaotic games this season and it's um I think this one in terms of the drama I don't I don't think so much the quality and it wasn't the highest quality game I've seen but it was it was breathless drama it felt like Arsenal's title ambitions were on the line it felt like it was it was it it could go either way it was on a knife edge and and I think it probably remains on a knife edge after the after after the 2-2 draw Oh, absolutely. It's probably even more of an on a knife edge now than it was previously. Um, Adam, Jordan Campbell wrote in The Athletic that Arsenal emerged bruised but not broken. Obviously, there's lots of fallout from the game on Sunday uh, that you can have a look at uh, on The Athletic right now. But what's your opinion of it being a, a point gained or two points lost for Arsenal? It's a point at Anfield and most people don't get a point at Anfield. So I, th- I, think, I think it's a good result for Arsenal. Really? Obviously, yeah, I do. Yeah, massively, and I think it's a really good point for Arsenal. Because, and this all get, this is where Liverpool fans, I think, will have a lot of sympathy with Arsenal because of what they've experienced over the last few years. Because when <laughs> when you are going for the title against this ridiculous team in Manchester City with incredible resources, incredible talent, coach, that you, you almost get into this mindset where Arsenal are still on for possibly getting to what ninety five to ninety eight points, maybe. Yeah, and they've come away from Anfield, one of the hardest places to go probably in world football, with a point. 
and somehow we're talking about them being bruised. And, and, and th those are the kind of mental gymnastics that you end up doing as a as a team chasing or leading Manchester City in a in a title race. And I, I had massive. I was just watching that game yesterday, thinking actually Arsenal. I thought was sensational for forty five for forty five minutes. Even second half, I thought even though Liverpool had chances, Arsenal still had enough chances to to finish that game and even to win the game after it went to 2-2. They had counter-attacking opportunities. So I don't think Arsenal fans should be disheartened whatsoever, but clearly, you know, it does change the dynamic slightly in terms of points. Yeah, it sets things up very nicely indeed. I mean, the two come face-to-face -face in a, about a fortnight's time at the Etihad Stadium. At the minute, of course, Arsenal are six clear of City, but City do have a game in hand, although Arsenal play away at West Ham and at home to Southampton before that game, whereas City only have the match at home to Leicester. So, you know, the Gunners could be going to the Etihad nine points clear, uh, but obviously having to play them and then with two games in hand for Manchester City, which you talked about mental gymnastics. There's probably a bit of mental arithmetic involved <laughs> as well to, to understand exactly who's in control of this title race. Uh, the answer's neither at the moment, I think. Um, Ollie, in terms of the actual match yesterday, I think why it feels like Arsenal were bruised by that was because they were cruising and 2-0 up and it completely turned on its head, didn't it? It did. And, you know, dropping points from... 2-0 up always looks careless, even, even when you can put all the context in that, that that Adam's just talked about. And you know, it's a difficult place to go, even even when Liverpool are in a you know bad season. It actually reminded me a bit of um remember when um going back a while, 99, when Man United went to Anfield in the final weeks of the season, they were 2-0 up and were pegged back to 2-2 and left hanging on. And that sort of setback was felt to have been a, a you know. An enormous setback in their in their um, in their title challenge, and Paul Ince enjoyed it particularly, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, and it was and it was um, and you know we, we all know how that season ended up with with United winning the trebles. And uh, trebles not going to happen for Arsenal, but that underlined how drawing at Anfield, even from two 0 up, can be a good can be a good result. But it's just as Adam said, it's it's the fact that Man City just sets such a high bar. And I think my when I've thought of whether Arsenal could win a t title this season, it's always been on the assumption that maybe, maybe Man City don't hit that ninety-point mark or get beyond that ninety-point mark that they've sailed over so many times in recent seasons. But the way they're playing now, it feels like there's just so little margin for error. I mean, they got Liverpool got ninety-seven points back in twenty nineteen, and and still, still finished second, and they were suddenly looking at draws at Everton and. Um, Man United and places like that, and thinking, oh, you know that those good points cost us the title, which is yeah. so that that's the difficult thing. And and for for Arsenal to have been two 0 up and let it go to, a, well, I think I just think they lost the grip of that game in, in which they were playing so well. And it was um, as Aaron Ramsdale was saying afterwards, you know, it's hard to know whether it's a point gained or two points dropped. But I I think. It certainly gives them a lot less margin for error over the coming weeks, in particular that game at City. Yeah, I think Ramsdale was trying to label it as a point game, wasn't he, under yeah. the circumstances? I've faced an interview just moments after those final minutes at Anfield where I don't quite know how Liverpool didn't get the winner. In terms of the match and it turning, there was a moment from Granit Xhaka which 
post-game now, the narrative has turned to as the moment where the match turned from Arsenal being in control to the chaos that Mikel Arteta described the second half as. Let's hear from James Pearce before I get your take, Adam, then, speaking on the Walk-On podcast, which is, of course, the Athletics Liverpool pod, and this is his take on the change of tone at Anfield yesterday. Liverpool had uh, Granite Xhaka to thank because I think you've got to also give Klopp's players credit for the response they produced, they certainly were given a helping hand by that moment because it, it just made it a lot more spiky and combative and confrontational and and gave supporters someone to unite against and players to unite behind. And, and, and then, you know, I don't think it was any coincidence that within a couple of minutes, Liverpool had halved the deficit. And then it was like that had set the tone then for the, for the second half. And, um, yeah, I know that's the way Granite Xhaka plays. He, he, but it was, you know, I think it was incredibly foolish because surely, you know, if if you're if you're Arsenal at that point, you're two 0 up, you know, you're you're in complete and utter control. It was for me, it was just complete stupidity to to to, to poke the beast like he did. Do you agree, Adam? Not sure. Not sure. You're allowed not to. No, I know. I, I'm not sure. Only in the sense of. Yeah, I was, obviously most of us in England would watch this on, well, hopefully all of us in, in England would have watched this on Sky uh, rather than by any, by any other medium. Um, but in, in terms of that, you had sort of Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher sort of really, really kind of ramping up this argument, to be honest, saying that, mm. that they had awoken, I think Gary Neville called it almost like poking the bear when it's asleep. And I'm kind of minded to, to actually defer to people who are clayed in games like this for their experiences on how games like this can change on moments like that. Because to me, from the outside, you know, if you're being highly rational about it, well, at that point, Liverpool are still 2-0 down after that has happened. Is there a direct relationship between the the, the incident and then the goal that follows? Not really. I, well, it's I not ca- a red card or an own goal or anything. No, as no. As and, either, also, it, really? and also there's loads of teams that have won difficult games over the years while players like Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira square up to people, right? Yeah, like, and, and just standing like, up for your cause and trying it, to sort yeah. of, uh, and you I think, know, stamp your authority on the, on the game as well. It's all part of that, isn't it? Yeah, you can just, you're just being competitive. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think he crossed the line, Granit Xhaka. Um, what I would say where I think James is right is, is actually before, I was thinking in around sort of 35 minutes in, that Anfield felt more intimidating to Liverpool players than to Arsenal players. Mm. They were 2-0 down. There were just sort of groans going round after sort of loose passes or people not tracking tracking their men. And what it did do was just flip the atmosphere back on Liverpool's side. You know, all of a sudden, we all have to gang up against Granit Xhaka. But also, I mean, the other moment that clearly had an impact in terms of charging of Liverpool was what happened with... Andy Robertson and the assistant referee. I would argue that maybe that, if anything, added more electricity into the second half because Liverpool's players just seem to be going in at half time absolutely steaming because of the goal and the and the instant with the assistant. Yeah, let's talk about that. I was going to leave it till later on in the podcast, but now you've brought it up, Adam, I think it's a pertinent point to speak about it. So we do have uh, news from the PGMOL that the assistant referee, Constantine Hatsidakis, has been stood down pending investigation by the Football Association. Um, what did you make of it, Ollie, and, and what do you think should happen from this point? 
I thought it was absolutely bizarre. And I, I was watching it thinking, well, he can't actually have elbowed him, surely. And I was I was thinking it's, it seemed so unlikely when Jamie Carragher mentioned it on the Sky commentary. I was thinking, well, it must have been a, it must have been a collision. He must have put his arm up to do something else. But looking at looking at the footage we've seen, it it looks like, yeah, he re- reacts to Robertson by throwing his elbow out. And it's it's bizarre. I, I I've heard a few people say you know, about time, about time, one of these sort of mouthy, mouthy players got it in, uh, you know, got a bit back, you know, umpire strikes back as it were. Um, and look, it's, there's certainly a case of saying that, you know, some of these players need to be brought down a peg or two when they're having a go, a referee or a linesman, definitely, but not like that, 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 that looks awful. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to him. He's been sort of stood down for now, I think it'd be a while before he's running the line again, but it's, it, I, I just found it utterly bizarre. I do, I do sympathize with the amount of abuse they get and people shouting in their faces and showing them no respect, but you can't react like that. Absolutely not. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a bizarre case, but uh, it's, I, I can't see him avoiding a ban. How, how could you? No, and I suppose there's a precedent of Alexander Mitrovic being banned for the opposite Adam in recent weeks as well. And I wonder how much of this is a reaction to to that. There was a lot of narrative around Bruno Fernandes and the assistant referee at Anfield as well a few weeks previous. It, does it all go hand in hand? Does it build a, a narrative that's in the back of people's minds in these sort of circumstances? I don't know. I just don't. I don't think we know enough about the, the assistant referee involved. I mean, sometimes people just have stuff going on in their lives that day and then one moment makes you makes you flip completely irrationally and so I, I think it's hard until we kind of hear more about about him and more about what happened that day to really try and understand it I think I do agree with Ollie like okay yes refer- referees get a lot of hassle that's why they have cards use your cards you know that that, that they, they are your weapons as a as a referee your flag your whistle and you can't. <laughs> I was amazed he actually came out for the second half after it happened. I thought they might have changed, you know, and had the fourth official come on and be the assistant referee. I don't know if that's allowed even for the second half, but I was really surprised he came back out. You can. Yeah. The referee could choose to swap, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. so... so switch him out. So I thought that might happen, given, you know, given how angry the Liverpool players were about it. And also... Just can you imagine what must have been going through his head in the second half. Like, what have I done, and what is going to happen yeah. to me? You know, assistant referees are on silly Premier League player money. I mean, this this is potentially life changing in terms of this man's life and career. So, yeah, I mean, it, it looked awful. It, it it was awful, really. Like, you know, you look at the footage, and it it looked like there was intent. Yeah, a very unusual incident, no doubt. Uh, keep your eyes on The Athletic, of course, for the very latest on, on the fallout from this and exactly um, what happens and how it's dealt with. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's return it then to the game. 
in terms of the turnaround, Ollie, this is Anfield, isn't it? This is Anfield in the title race. This is Anfield in one of the most you know pressured times of a, a Premier League season. This is what can happen. Why, why do you think it is such a cauldron for change and, and pressure and fluctuation? It, it, it always seems to be... It's a cliche now almost, but it almost seems to be somewhere that always has a real sort of chapter of any any story in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people find the mythology of Anfield sort of slightly nauseating and they'll go, you know, to say a Crystal Palace fan will go along on a three o'clock on a Saturday and, and find it's incredibly quiet and thinking, well, what's what's the fuss? Um <laughs> But it's those big matches where, you know, the crowd, it was interesting to hear not just Jamie Carragher talking about it, but Gary Neville and Roy Keane talking about it on, on Sky and talking about how you just feel the energy of the crowd and the team. It just sort of becomes this, you know, it becomes almost toxic to, to the opposition. And you heard Mikel Arteta talking about it on Friday and, and saying train, training in the zoo is no preparation for being in the jungle or whatever it was he said but it was yeah it does it does feel chaotic at, at times like that and it must be it must be very difficult and I think it's look it's also good players who've got a point to prove and mm. who have played really poorly for almost all of this season and you just get these handful of games where it's been a big Big occasion, big atmosphere. The game against City, Man City at Anfield, where they won Liverpool won one nil, the seven nil against United, and then yesterday where they were so poor for, well, they, they you know they couldn't get a glove on Arsenal for the for the first half hour or so, and it just felt like once the crowd woke up, whether that was Granite Jackers doing or the linesmen's doing or or just Liverpool, kind of thinking, well, we can't we can't really perform like this, can we? It just seemed to be transformed, and Liverpool looked so much stronger in the second half. Not fluent like the Liverpool of two, three years ago, but they just looked like a, a team with real momentum behind them for that forty-five minutes. And and yeah, it looked like it was going to be impossible for Arsenal to hang on. Uh, and that's why they might see it as a point gained rather than um, two points dropped, because I think that the character that they had to show, even having even having conceded those two goals just to hang on for the final five minutes or so plus stoppage time was considerable. Adam, what is it about Anfield that produces these twists and turns? Um, they've got really good football players, I think is is the biggest reason, to be honest, at them, you know, about what happened yesterday. I think I, I genuinely think yesterday was far more about Liverpool having some really, really good players that that after they got a goal back, started playing really well. I mean Trent Everyone's talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold from a defensive point of view. His attacking play yesterday was stunning. Mm. I mean, the mm. two chances that Aaron Ramsdale saved both came from his passes where Arsenal just didn't apply pressure on the ball to it. So if you're looking for a reason why Aaron Ramsdale had to make saves late on, it was because Arsenal gave Liverpool's best player time on the ball in injury time to pick a pass. Now, you can talk about the psychological aspect because... I think Arsenal probably do have this almost like historical trauma at Anfield. They've had some really, really difficult games there over the past, well, decade, 15 years, really. I mean, how many yeah. times did we see Arsenal Wenger teams go there and just get steamed off the pitch very, very quickly? I think there was one when Emery was there. I think Arteta's team had a four, did they have a 4-0 as well yeah. earlier in his in his reign? That was the one where he, 
he was playing You'll Never Walk Alone on the training pitches in the lead up to, into the game to try and prepare the players for Can you the build game. Build it up too much, maybe, maybe. But it was clear, he's clearly be. You know, I think Guardiola, certainly like Guardiola or Teta, they really, really buy into this mythology. And, Guardiola does definitely doesn't you know, he? every uh, single time they play Liverpool. Yeah, he's and I th- always. And I think they probably like that. do that so that it concentrates their players. But there probably is an adverse impact of that as well. But the flip side of that is, you know, Arsenal did everything right for the first 40 minutes. You know, loads of teams can just go to Anfield and get swept away in the first 40 minutes. Real Madrid should have been swept away there in the first 20 minutes a couple of months ago. They kind of did it the other way around. They sort of rode the storm and then played their football. So I think the other factor which people haven't spoken about as much is Liverpool's bench was really strong yesterday. And they were able to bring on Thiago Alcantara, Darwin Nunes, Roberto Firmino. And with each change, it just felt like they got stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's kind of a reminder of, one, how strong Liverpool might be if they get their summer recruitment right. But two, also like how badly they've underperformed with this with this tool of the squad of players that they have at their disposal. Because I was looking at the two benches yesterday, so I was picking changes to win the game. And Klopp had more options than Arteta. And I think it, it, it was a game that really underlined Arteta's overperformance and Liverpool's underperformance. There's definitely a reason, Oli, though, isn't there, why Anfield seems to be the, this marker. Um, again, Jordan Campbell has written on The Athletic about every contender for the Premier League that's gone to Anfield between February and May and won has gone on to claim the title. Um, and obviously the opposite is true of people like uh, Kevin Keegan's Newcastle in 1996. It is the place where dreams go to die, writes Jordan, which again feels like it's feeding the mythology of Anfield. Like Adam brought up, Real Madrid were the opposite. They were the ones who came and strolled initially and they were the ones who were able to turn the game on its head, silence Anfield, which not many games go that way. But in terms of sort of proving something from Arsenal's perspective, proving a champion's mentality or whatever it was, emerging from that ground with a point after all of that, they've not lost, have they? Um, you know, that, no. that that's that's almost like the the key point after all of this. No, there have been so so many questions asked about Arsenal this season. And, and I think it was, I think what people could see was a team that was playing brilliantly, riding you know, riding the crest of a wave in the first half of the season, particularly before the World Cup. And people thought, well, maybe they'll struggle to get that momentum back after the World Cup. Maybe, you know, fixtures coming thick and fast and and the pressure gets ramped up. It's always been the question about their bottle and, the, you know, whether they've got the resilience to, to see it through. And we've seen their resilience questioned and their nerve questioned a lot recently you know being 2-0 down at home to Bournemouth I mean that was that was a big test of nerve and they, they've repeatedly passed those those tests it's just that getting a draw at Anfield sounds like a really good result even if even if you take in the the, the context of being 2-0 up but it, they've got so many big te- big tests ahead now and it, this this was one I think where people probably thought well they're at risk of dropping points there, but West Ham away, Southampton at home, Man City away, Chelsea home, Newcastle away, Brighton home, Forest away, Wolves home. It's a... Tough, isn't it? There aren't too many real sort of... You you could look at Man City's fixtures and think, well, they're going to win at least sort of seven of those. And there aren't too many sort of real pushover games 
for Arsenal, where where you think, well, that's that's a guaranteed three points. They've, they've got a lot of big, big tests, none bigger than Man City away, but it's 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 so difficult, and that's why, yeah, it it might be a point gained, but it's it's it feels like it's on a knife edge now. Adam, I do think City's margin for error, though, it's also tiny. Uh, you know, particularly if we're talking about them potentially going into that game against Arsenal nine points behind. I mean, that's also a, psych- a big psychological thing to take on, particularly if Arsenal go 1-0 up in that game. Yeah. You're 12 points behind at that point. You're 12 you? points behind drive in, in a title decide. I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty hefty. And on top of that, there will be a lot of emotional engagement in this in these Bayern Munich games, potentially beyond that against Real Madrid and, Man City, uh, Real Madrid and Chelsea. And it could be emotional damage that comes out of that of, of these occasions. You know, if it goes wrong for City in Europe again, I know they have experience of bouncing back from those disappointments of going on to win Premier League titles. I, I do think the thing that I have in Arsenal's favour is I've not seen from them really apart from the second half yesterday, which again, I, I put that down to Liverpool playing really well more than centre occasion. I've not seen Arsenal suffer from a loss of nerve or being overwhelmed by a sense of occasion in any game where I might have expected them to. So Tottenham away a few months ago, people were talking about that's going to be the acid test. They went there, in fact, 3-0 up after 50 minutes. Man United at home, they went a goal down, then they pegged back to 2-2 and they just carried on playing. They carried on playing, carried on playing, got and deserved the winner that they got. They won at Chelsea. You know, they beat Spurs, I think, at home. But the, the, okay, the Man City game, they were just outplayed. I think I don't think they were overwhelmed by that occasion. I think they were just outplayed by a better team. Yeah. I think there is a fair question of if Arsenal really, really want to win this title, they're going to have to get a result against Man City. Everyone kind of writes that game off a little bit as well, Man City will win that game. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Right? Everyone just thinks of yeah. that as like a given. Well, actually, Arsenal, if you want to win the title and you want to be better on points than Manchester City, you're probably going to have to take some points off them. And I, th- I think I do think they're capable of doing that. I think in terms of this kind of team that they that City might drop points against, like Arsenal, you know, I, th- I don't think it will be like it was in the second half yesterday, where you're just so so ste- almost steamed upon uh, as as Arsenal were. So I, I, th- I just give them more of a chance, I think, than maybe most people. But maybe that's because I've just predicted throughout the season since about November that they'll be fine, and now I'm getting a bit worried. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? 
It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Goal difference, of course, could be a factor now, uh, given the the way that the games can go and and the gap being six points, nine points. You know the the way it works out, it could come to that again, like it did obviously back in in twenty twelve. But Arsenal's defence has had a lot of praise this season, Ollie. But it feels like in recent weeks, Aaron Ramsdale has had a much bigger role to play in some of the results that they've picked up. And the fact remains, they've only kept one clean sheet from the last seven matches in all competitions as well. Do you think there is an issue there that Arteta needs to sort pretty quick, given how tough some of these matches are going to be coming up? Because surely you don't need to be setting yourself even more of a difficult task by conceding goals. Yeah, well, when we were talking about those high-quality, high-entertainment matches earlier this season, and a lot of them have involved Arsenal. A lot of them have been sort of real ding-dongs and 4-2 and 4-1 and 3-2, 2-2. That sounds a little bit like Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool in 13-14, where they were having to score three times to, to win a lot of games. You know, they were they were on a roll and they were playing, you know, some brilliant football and it was just a question of whether they could keep the goals out at the other end and, and, and score, you know, even in the final weeks, it was it was three two three two, you know all these very very high scoring games, and I think Arsenal are a lot more tactically astute and more tactically disciplined and more resilient. They've got better defenders than than those teams, but it's it just puts a lot of pressure on you if if you're going to if if you're you know conceding two goals in a game and, and look the, the previous three games it was three nil Fulham four one Palace four one against Leeds that hasn't been a particular issue in the last few weeks but you know do they have the ability to get through some of these games without without incurring any damage no drama yeah they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to win a couple of games one nil i think that's kind of the way it goes isn't it mm-hmm. and i would say it so. might you know it might be newcastle away it might be west ham away and they need the ability to do that I th- I, they were unlucky yesterday again in that you know saliba's out tommy asu's out you're probably lucky in that last 15 minutes when he brought he did bring on another defender than t yeah. um Tierney came on as well, didn't he? T- Tierney came on. And he went to a, did he go to a back five? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the kind of, you know, when Firmino scores that goal, if you've got to, if you've managed to throw on Tommy Asu as another body in there, that's that strengthens it. You know, Saliba is better than Holding. And again, that just kind of shows that Arsenal probably have 15, 16 players that they that are really at the level. And I think even yesterday, you know, a lot of talk about Alexander Arnold's defending. Well, you know, Zinchenko's had a lot of praise this season. 
But actually, you kind of had a reminder of why we were always talking about Man City needing a world-class left-back when Zinchenko was sort of slotting in at left-back for them. I think he is a great player, but he's not a brilliant defender. And, you know, Ben. I think Ben Wye did well yesterday, but again, you know, he's not, it's not a natural goal that some of these players are, are, are being asked to play. And it, and it, 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 it's, it feels a very unfair thing to criticise. It's taken Arsenal so far playing this way. But in those moments where you basically just need to make sure you see out a game 1-0 or protect a 2-1 lead, it is difficult for them. Okay, let's wrap it up then and ask the ultimate question. The bookies say that Manchester City incredibly are odds-on favourites now really? for the Premier League title, which seems crazy really. But anyway... It's set up very nicely. We've said that. Both teams have got one hand on the Premier League trophy was, I think, the cliche I started the podcast with. Who is the favourite in your mind, Ollie? Um, I was saying before the weekend it was about 51-49 in, in Arsenal's favour and I was thinking, well, for, for Arsenal to remain favourites in my mind, they were going to have to win at Anfield. And Okay. So I think it might have flipped maybe... 51-49 in, in Man City's favour. And if that sounds like I'm sit, sitting on a fence, absolutely I am. But it's it's that that that, that advantage that they that they've had over the past few weeks, I felt that they they were going to need that cushion because I I could see them dropping more points than Man City in in, in the in the run-in. And I think now it's what six six games so six points with City having a game in hand and that game's come up the Etihad and a superior goal difference. It feels like it's it's that feels a lot more bridgeable than than if it was, you know, eight eight points with a game in hand. It's 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 it looks to me like it's just slightly back in City's favour. Adam, nobody's talking about Man City being about six weeks away from winning the treble, are they? No, no, but they are. But but they really are, um, given the way that people are now talking about the title. Um, they might be talking about it now. You've just said that, yeah. Well, should, probably should probably should be. It usually spooks them out of out of actually doing it. So at least keep it, <laughs> keep it going. Um, keep it going. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still think Arsenal win it just because of the the spacing they'll have between the fixtures. I find it hard to have full credit to Man City if they do this, but the idea that you're going to get positive results in what eight more Premier League games plus maybe four Champions League quarterfinals, semifinals, all of those to go your way. If City do that, it FA will be... FA Cup semifinal and FA final Cup, as well. FA yeah. Cup semifinal, it'll be one yeah. of the greatest month, months and you know, five-week periods we've ever seen from an English team. So I think I think Arsenal have more margin for error than people think. And I also think Arsenal have a better chance of getting a result against Man City than people are giving them credit for as well. And if you had to put a percentage on it like Oli did... 52-48 always <laughs> always goes well in Britain <laughs> oh yeah nice piece of history in there as well um, we'll be turning our attention to Manchester City and Pep Guardiola's side meeting Thomas Tuchel's Bayern Munich in the Champions League on tomorrow's Athletic Football Podcast but for the minute Ollie and Adam thank you very much uh, remember, you can subscribe for just £1 a month for a year uh, when you go to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. But thank you for listening, and we'll see you on that show tomorrow. Take care. Bye bye. The Athletic.